Uh, I hope you pick up your Awaken packet. Uh, Awaken begins a season of prayer and fasting uh, for our city, for our neighbors, for the mission of God in this place. We've got packets outside. Some of you picked them up last week. Uh, and man, we just want to see you invest in the community. We want to see you invest. And, and it's not about a, like somehow gaining God's attention, but uh, awakening ourselves to the movement of God in this area. And so I hope you will uh, pick up a packet. Uh, I'm excited to say that Aspen Grove is one of, the last count I heard was 540 churches in Nashville are participating in Awaken. Is that amazing? What would happen? What would happen if 500 churches came together to pray and fast for the city they live in? Could God move and act in powerful ways? I think so. I think so. So I hope, uh, I hope you're planning your fast. I hope uh, you are uh, turning some attention towards God, but also turning attention towards your neighbor. That's how we love God. And today I just want to talk a little bit about prayer. And then really we're going to have a, just a corporate time of prayer together as a church. I'm going to get down and uh, I'm going to invite you to pray. Maybe invite some of you say, man, I'm, I'm only comfortable playing, praying to myself. Uh, that's great. But some of you have the gift of prayer and I want to invite you up and I want you to pray out loud for us. And we'll set a microphone up. But, but to set the stage, I just want to talk about prayer just for a moment. Um, full disclosure, I'm trying to be brief, so to talk about prayer like is is pretty tough. It's a pretty big topic, but I'm gonna I'm gonna move fast fast and will likely uh, raise more questions than answers. Even as the elders gathered in this space this past week to pray, even in us, we we had questions about prayer of like how does this work and how do, what does it work and and how do you even do this thing? And so I'm gonna cherry pick a few verses about prayer. Again, there's way more, and if you want a more in depth, we want to talk to you talk to you uh, in a deeper way about prayer. But a couple of things I want to, as we get ready to pray together this morning, a couple of things I want to bring up. The first is Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' great sermon on the mount, sermon on the hillside, he gives some instructions about prayer. And in verse 6, he says, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and then pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. This was a reaction against the, the religious elite of Jesus' day. The Jews tra, uh, traditionally prayed at 9 and 3 each day, but they also had prayer times throughout the day. And, and some of these men and women saw this as a great opportunity to, to put their holiness on display. So they would choose their prayer time in the busiest part of the market. In the busiest part of the city, that's when they would stop and pray. And they did kind of the same thing with fasting. They made a big display of it. And Jesus says, hey, if this is what your prayer is about, if this is the way it's working, like, like there's, there's something off with this. And even though he mentions a praying in a closet, praying in private, it's really not about location. It's about intent and motive. Jesus says if human attention is all you want, it's all the reward you're going to get. Startlingly, uh, startlingly, I want to remind you of James chapter 4, verse 3. Tough, tough verse to hear. Specifically about prayer, it says, even when you ask and you don't get it. Anyone have a prayer that's never been answered? James says, because maybe your motives are all wrong. And you only what will, you only want what will give you pleasure. Funny how that seems to be my prayers a lot. The things that I want, the things that I desire. And Jesus seems to indicate that this prayer, like this prayer is supposed to be a real thing. 
Like born out of a real desire to commune with God. And like when you do it in a real kind of authentic, genuine way, like he's not talking about just passive prayers or haphazard prayers or, or the occasional prayer, but like, like the, the concentrated effort of prayer is what God really desires. Like, like isn't that what the Bible says? Like God pays attention to the heart. Like, like is, is he interested in any other half measure? And honestly, like those kind of half-measure prayers, you need to think maybe that kind of praying is doing actually more harm than good. Jesus spoke pretty strongly about these ideas. Like the Bible speaks strongly about us being hot or cold or what? Yeah, just cast out. And so Jesus seems to indicate like when you pray, check your motives. Because God is paying attention to the heart. He goes on in Matthew chapter 6, just in that next verse, in uh, verse 7 and 8, he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as some people of other religions do. Remember, it's, about all, it's all about them. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And I know he's talking to preachers. I know. <laughs> he says, don't be like them. And he goes on to say, like, it, it really curiously, like, comforting but also curious. He says, he goes on to say, your father already knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. All right, so this is in his instruction about how to pray, right? In his instruction about how to pray, he says, don't babble on and on. And then he says, actually, really, God already knows what you need. He already knows what you want, he knows even before you ask him. So the comforting side of that is like, man, God's already tuned in. Like I always talk about like husbands never know what their wives, what to get their wives for, for gifts. Like God already knows. Like he doesn't need a list. He's, he already knows. He's paying attention. But then startlingly, like he, he says, you don't even actually have to ask because he already knows. Like, okay, that's really confusing. Because you're teaching us how to pray. And even in the very next verse, let's read it together. He says, hey, your father in heaven already knows what you need. You don't even have to ask him. But he doesn't like stop and expound on that. He just says, pray like this. Let's read it together. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love the your will be done part of that. Like I think maybe, like I could spend a ton of time on that prayer, but the, but the your will be done is an important piece of this. It's what Jesus prays in the garden and what we see is that like, prayer isn't supposed to be about our willfulness, but his. It's about bending our will, aligning our will to his. Like I, I love that, like, you can't want better than what God wants. And so to align yourself with that, that kind of prayer, uh, it's, it's, I want to be really careful about this. Like when we pray, we're not somehow like manipulating God. You guys get that. I mean, participating with God, yes, maybe. Manipulating him, no. Uh, I, I want you to be careful to, th to think that like prayer is some sort of transaction. Like I, I don't see that working. 
but aligning ourselves with him, aligning ourselves with the, the things that he wants and he desires. And that kind of real, like, remember, from a real place, a real alignment with the things that he wants, that kind of prayer doesn't change him, it changes us. And so, like, that kind of prayer, like, the question really is, do you want what he wants? Do we? Do we want what he wants? Am I paying attention to the things that he's paying attention to? So, I mean, I think like motives matter and like recognizing that that prayer really changes us or are important pieces of this. But then I also love like Luke chapter 11. Uh, in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse five, Jesus' disciples say, hey, teach us how to pray. And Jesus tells them the story of the most annoying neighbor ever. It's true. Look what it says in chapter five. He says, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. He says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose this friend calls down from his bedroom at midnight. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. Like, the, my family are all already in bed. I can't help you. And it says, but I tell you, like, this though, he won't do it for friendship's sake. But if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your, what are those last two words? All right, this is the same Jesus who taught us, God already knows everything you need. Why do you even have to ask him? And now he says, when you pray, you should be like a super annoying neighbor that just won't go away. He tells another story in, in Luke 18 about a persistent widow who is trying to get justice from a king. You should go read it. And the king won't do it for justice sake, but eventually caves in because he says, she's driving me crazy. In Luke 18, it says, like, won't God give justice to those who cry out day and night? And what I think we're supposed to see is, like, persistence counts in this thing somehow. Even in Scripture, we're told to pray without. That's Jesus' example. Jesus is rising early in the morning. Sometimes the disciples don't even know where he went. He just disappears. Sometimes he goes to lonely places or prays all night long. And what you see is audacity in prayer. Shameless. Refusal to be content. Refusal to be like discouraged or, or somehow locked out. Shameless persistence. And that kind of persistence in verse 9 and 10, I know you've heard these verses, says, Hey, I know if I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. So when you pray, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So when we pray, man, check your motives. Recognizes that prayer changed us, but also like there's this call in scripture to be persistent about it. Finally, I just want to share James chapter five. 
James chapter 5, beginning verse 13 says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should join the praise team. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders for the church to come and pray over you, anointing your head with oil in the name of the Lord. And he goes on to say in verse 15, such a prayer offered in faith can heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. It goes on to say, and even if you've committed any sins, they will be forgiven. And then fast forward to verse 16. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then he says, I love this. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has both power and wonder. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person works and is effective. I bolded that word earnest because like this is a, this is a great word in Greek. Uh, I actually have a picture of what this word means. Have any of you seen the fires that are happening all over Australia? I mean, it's tragic and it's horrible, like just raging wildfires. And this is a picture of U.S. firefighters boarding a plane to go to Australia and fight the fires. And when scripture says to earnestly pray, like this is the picture. It means in strength and power with resolve. It means that earnest prayer is a game face kind of prayer. Are you with me? It means a combative force engaging the resistance. An earnest prayer is about it gets into the fray. And it's time for our churches to enter the fray again. Up here is a a table. Last year for Awaken Nashville, we prayed for the whole city by name. Maybe you got a card with 15 random names. As we prepare to pray for our entire city again, uh, Awaken, they sent me boxes. I got boxes after boxes after boxes. And I don't know, I want you to come up here before the day is done and look. But in these boxes were note cards or uh, uh, business cards. And on every single business card is a different name of someone in Middle Tennessee. They told me that each box had roughly 400,000 names in it. And I got five boxes. And what you see on this table right here in front of us is our mission, right? It's the fight that we lean into. On this table are the names of every person in Middle Tennessee. More than two million as best I can figure. On these cards are businessmen who work way too much and single moms who've got their car repossessed. The, the couple who just got pregnant and the couple that are trying on the names of these cards are the teen, is, is the teen girl considering suicide and the widow, widow struggling to make ends meet. On these cards are moms filled with anxiety and those who've lost loved ones. On, the, on, the, on these cards are like your name and my name and your neighbor's name and your boss's name and the person at the red light's name. 
that I want you to know, like, man, it seems overwhelming. Like, how do we even begin to pray for, like, our whole city? Like, all these names, even if we have all their names, how do we even begin to do this? And what I want you to know is, like, God loves them all. And, like, uh, they aren't somehow lost in the shuffle. He wants to see every single one of these names return to him. And our goal, our mission as a church is to draw men and women to Christ. And this time as we awaken Nashville is just about this kind of idea of entering the fray again. In your packet, you'll get a prayer card that looks just like this. Last year you prayed for strangers. This year we're asking you to fill in your circles with eight names or eight families of people that you can pray and fast for. But we don't just want you to lock yourself in, in a closet. We actually want you to serve them and bless them in Christ's name to lean into your relationship with them last year. Well, it was funny, last year we prayed for strangers. People were like, oh, okay, I can pray for strangers. Now we said, okay, this year we want you to pray for people that you do know. And people were like, oh, hold on now. <laughs> Why was praying for strangers easier? So here's what we're going to do in just a moment. Um, I'll say a prayer and we're just going to have a corporate time of prayer together as a church. Uh, we're going to put a microphone up here. Man, some of you are, are epic prayers, and, and I know you, you're not doing this for a prideful reason, but we want to hear your prayers. We want your prayers in our church to so infuse all of our prayers. So I invite you to come up and pray. want you to enjoy a time of communion. Maybe you haven't got your awaken packet. Pick it up. Think about the names you can write on your card. And, and honestly, I just want us to have, I don't, I don't know, like 10 or 15 minutes of us just praying together. Can we do that? Let's start awaken in prayer. I'll put a list of a couple of things that you can pray for as we enter in this space. Everybody know what we're doing? Everybody got it? Remember your motives. Remember to be persistent. Remember it's about his will and not yours. And remember those kind of earnest prayers, they work. Let's pray. Father God. Man, we, we are so humble before you. You are so great and awesome and powerful. And, and here we are engaging in this thing that, frankly, sometimes we don't even fully understand. I don't, I don't always fully understand why it works, and sometimes it doesn't seem to work. And, and, and we, we do trust and we do know that you know what we need more than we know what we need. And so, Father God, we come before you. We, we, we pursue you. Help our hearts to be authentic before you. But Father God, mostly we want to see what you want done, done. We want to see your will be done, done and your kingdom come in this place. God, man, sometimes we've made mistakes and, and maybe there are things in our life that we need to repent of and, and, and confess to you. And so, Father God, this is a space for that. But Father, turn our attention towards our neighbors. Turn our attention to the names on these cards. Turn our attention to others because they have your attention. They are the ones that you love and care about. Father God, we love you. None of this is possible without your son Jesus and, and his incredible love for us and his sacrifice for us. Let us feel it and, and know it, and in, but, but also let, let that same love and sacrifice that, that we embrace, let it also empower us and drive us to pursue the things that you desire, to seek and to save the lost. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says... Amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy time of communion and prayer together.